He has created an incredibly popular YouTube channel that gave birth to DM Crafting. He has countless apprentices scattered throughout the web. He has created a Facebook page for crafters to gather and has collaborated with another popular YouTuber to bring you DM advice and adventures you can plug right into your own game. He is the quest giver, the craft father himself. And that means... It's DM Scotty this week on the Dungeon Master's Dojo. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Master's Dojo podcast. This is a show for game masters, as well as experienced and new players alike. We hope to bring you the tools needed to not only be a great GM, but to help you develop as a player. I'm your host, Louis Aponte. Our stars of the show are Scott Labby and Bill Robotile. Let's enter the dojo and see what both Bill and Scott have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. What's up? Guess what? What? We have DM Scotty on in the dojo today the craft father himself yes we do i i have to start off with letting you know that uh my buddy scott over here uh got into crafting um i went over his house one time where we were building a campaign to run on and he's like i have to build a purple worm and i went what do you do you have paper toilet toilet paper rolls and uh, i need some barbecue skewers and i just i'm like what are you talking about you've got to see this and we sat down and watched a couple episodes of dm scotty and uh not only has he drank the kool-aid by the pitcher but on his way down the rabbit hole he grabbed me by the ankle and took me too (laughs) so we are very very excited to have you here no one more so, so than Scotty. So <laughs> no more so than Scott over here. He uh, he's been giddy and grinning like a kid on Christmas Eve. He's actually blushing right now. Yes, he yeah. is. He is actually blushing. He 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 is. There's an awe factor going on over here. So I'm pretty jazzed. <laughs> <laughs> I won't bite. I won't bite. <laughs> so let's uh, let let's plug Scotty here. Uh, you can find Scotty Crafting on his YouTube channel, The DM's Craft, and on the web at thedmscraft.com. Have a look at QuestGivers at questgivers.com for adventures you can plug right into your own game and some helpful DM advice, too. And if you're a crafting DM or player, head over to the Tabletop Crafters Guild on Facebook. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to go right into it. When did you... St- start playing tabletop rpgs oh my gosh Do you recall? It was <laughs> way long ago in ancient times when i was a teenager <laughs> uh kindred spirit <laughs> uh and even early even then i really liked figures i really liked the miniatures you know the the sets of metal miniatures that they had i yep. would use those and um i would i would actually cut out you know little uh, tiles for my for my maps and stuff. So I, even early then, I was kind of doing a version uh, of what I what I did later on. So it wasn't that big of a jump, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't actually. <laughs> what, what drew you towards the hobby in the first place? I mean, how'd you get introduced to it? Uh, it's like, wow, we we can do what? 
we we can tell stories and we can make up things and we can like fight monsters and you know camaraderie and play out these movies in our heads you know that we we see on on uh, on the television and movies it's like I'm in. I'm all in. Let's do this. Uh, <laughs> so I think that's what got me excited about it. My dad has always been like a sci-fi horror buff, uh, cool. movie buff. And, you know, that got me into that kind of genre stuff. And then it just, you know, it just went from there. Yeah. It shows, too, in a lot of the a lot of the stuff you've done on your, your um, DMs craft. I really, really think the uh, the episode with the uh, the Timmy plastic figures, the Space Force guys, was uh-huh. was was awesome. It had that um kind of forbidden planet kind of vibe to it. Oh, totally. Yeah. That was a yep. great game to run. So much fun. So much fun. How did you end up painting those? I it I've always been under the impression that that the paint just doesn't stick well to those kind of uh molded plastic figures. Well, you know, with our advanced uh, crafting technology today, we can. <laughs> they do have these uh, nice spray paints you can get that, that actually stick to plastic. It'll say it on the can, sticks to plastic. Um, so I just get the primer that sticks to plastic and then paint them that way. The modular But it's spaceship. always good to wash them off first. You know, wash them off oh, with yeah. soap and water first. Because yeah. a lot of them have mold release on them. And so that tends to, you know, not take the paint so well. So I always do that first. And that's your that's a convention game that you run, right, when you're – yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a convention game I was running. I had the full rocket ship uh, going. I had the planet. You know, I had all the miniatures, the terrain. Well, when I go to conventions, either my wife or my daughter will help me. They'll be kind of like a co DM, and they'll be my, my 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 slave, and they'll get like terrain, you know. And I'll usually have a couple of like breaks during the game. It's like, oh, everybody, go, you know, go to the restroom, you know, go get a pop or whatever. And then I'll do like if it's a major scene change. So, like, from that game, from the ship to the planet, I had everybody just go take a, a quick 10-minute break, and then I set everything up. When they came back, it was all set up. That modular nice. uh, spaceship was really a cool idea. Oh, thank you. Really, thank really you. Really it cool. works great. Those modules work great, for, he, especially he for talks about games. that. He talks about that all the time. we got to do something like that. Yeah. It is so <laughs> awesome. All the time. i actually starting <laughs> to hear it in my head all the time now. <laughs> Told you, Kool-Aid by the gallons over here. <laughs> so have you always been a D&D guy, Scotty? Uh, do you have any other favorite tabletop RPGs that you've played in the past or still play now? Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, we have to give it to D&D. I mean, D&D is what, why we're here, right? You know, um, so I still play D&D. I really like 5e. Um, if you're going to play D&D, I, I think it's about the best you're going to get. But um, Yep, yep. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, but, uh, you know, I do love other games. I love, um, the cypher system, the black hack, um, index card RPG is a really great quick one. That's I'm actually working right? on my, I'm sorry. That's, what? uh, Hank, hankering for an ale. Yes. Yep. Yeah. The drunkards and dragons hankering for an ale. Yes. Um, he is a mad genius. I'm a huge fan of his. Uh, his system is 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 great. I've used it a lot, but lately I've actually been using my own system for convention games, uh, and I call it DM Scotty's Easy D6 RPG. <laughs> so I'm working on it right now, and I have kind of workable rules that I've been working on. I've run it for the Nerdarchy guys; they loved it. Um, I've run it at different conventions. Uh, I ran it for all the tabletop guild crafter guild people. They've liked it. So the, the idea for the game was that you would never have to look up any rules while you were playing. That's cool. 
That's yes. That sounds amazing. In a convention game, that's what you want, right? You don't yeah. want to sit there and hold the game down looking up rules or trying to figure something out. If a player does something unexpected, you just want to go with it. So that's that was the, where I approached the game. It's like, you know, because a game is essentially this, right? It's essentially, okay, I'm going to flip this coin and tails or heads you win, tails you lose. That's about the simplest game you can get to. So how 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 much can you strip off stuff not making it too basic, making it have enough meat to actually play a game, but not too complicated that it's just you're bogged down in rules and rules and rules and rules, right, uh, for every single thing. So that was, that was my idea with that, and uh, I'll be releasing it at some point. But, uh, yeah, uh, my, uh, my own EZD6 nice. system is pretty cool, and it's worked great. I've run it with people that have never played RPGs before. Um, and it's so simple because – Essentially, you just tell me what you're going to do, and I tell you what to roll. That's it. You know, that, there's, there's really nice. not uh, there's you know there's not much to the character creation itself except what your character you know like a basic thing your character can do. Like maybe you're a mutant that can shoot uh, a heat ray out of your eye. You know, and I just use the same mechanics as the rest of the game. It's just you have that ability to do that. So maybe you could melt metal. Maybe you could, you know, do other things uh, that some other characters can't do. So yeah, that's that's the the kind of idea. And since I'm running it myself, you know, I don't need I don't need 50 rules to be able to figure out what the heat ray the eye heat ray does. Right? I can just make a call on the fly. Yeah, your interpretation. Um, yep. Right for Perfect. flavor yep. for flavor in the game of how it would work. Awesome. And cool factor. Cool factor. Scott's too. over here drooling in anticipation of the release. Yeah, you're gonna run a Kickstarter, <laughs> yeah, or, or something. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't decided yet, but yeah, I'm I'm still working on the rules, but um, I may at some point. Yeah, I'll probably be through Quest Givers that I'd release it. Cool that that that's brilliant because you can place something like that into any genre from exactly. like fantasy <laughs> to sci-fi and. Yeah, I've got it pretty much worked out for every mostly most genres. The hardest one, believe it or not is the one that we're most used to and that's fantasy right because spells are difficult spells can be difficult right so how do you do that um you know do you do you just give them unlimited ability to work any spell they want or do you have to you have certain parameters you know and how do you do that without building up too much too many mechanics on something you know what i'm saying so um that's the ch- that's the challenge. That's the actually the most challenge. Everything else I've got worked out. Like I've played sci-fi games. I've played I've played games with normal people. Uh, As if us gamers was- are un- <laughs> abnormal. I like the way you put that. Ed. I'm not like, denying well, the it. Characters were like the characters were like normal people. Like there was a line. There was a line cook. There was a janitor. There was a motivational speaker. Uh, but at some point, they ended up getting like a minor superpower because they were time travelers and they went, they went uh, forward in time where this uh, utopia was supposed to happen because every child was getting this AI teddy bear. And uh, of course it's Terminator teddy bears <laughs> in the future. But of so course, that was, that was just crazy gonzo cool fun. And that was full miniatures, full terrain. I had the little miniature Terminator teddy bears. I mean, I was just, yeah, that is cool. Yards. That is yeah. cool. Now you yep. mentioned your wife and your daughter. Do, do they play with you as well? I mean, they're into oh, role playing yeah. games, or you just drag them along and make them do things. <laughs> <laughs> My wife loves to play. 
Um, and she's a huge collector of dice. <laughs> uh, I am so envious right now. <laughs> and aren't a lot of us. Uh, but uh, my daughter plays. She 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 uh, DMs. She started DMing her own groups, and um, she'll when she visits, we'll make terrain. Like I'll make terrain for her to take. We'll, you know, we'll make terrain together that she'll take back home and run for her groups and. That's cool. Uh, this kind of thing. So yeah, they're both they're both really into it themselves. Do you have a background in our? I always I always wondered that when I was watching the DMs craft videos, and I I tell my girlfriend he's he's an art teacher. He's got to be. I I do ha- I did take art in high school. Um, I uh, I took media in college, so I have a bachelor of fine arts in media in college. But uh, yeah, but I've always dabbled in art. I mean, I've always been. You know, um, I I made a lot of uh, terrain for my you know Warhammer games and that kind of stuff. So it was, I think, the cold porcelain video, which was which was really cool. And I haven't made any yet because she won't let me use the microwave. For that. <laughs> um, Is that why uh, you asked me if I had a spare one? Yeah, that's uh... you, sly dog. <laughs> Do you have a spare? Isn't there a spare microwave in the cellar? Can I borrow that? Oh, okay. Now I know. I'll have to go back and say I was wrong. He's not an art teacher. <laughs> nope. I'm not. I'm not an official art teacher. No. She'll. She'll tell me I still can't use the microwave. <laughs> I think the uh, big appeal with the DM's craft is that you're very likable, and your crafts don't require a lot of fancy equipment and expensive, you know, supplies that makes it like really accessible to a lot of people. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about your principles of terrain building? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started, that was exactly what I thought. And I, I wanted terrain that was, was quick and easy to make. And that was playable, right? Cause there's so much terrain that, that, you know, looks good, but it's not necessarily playable. Right. Um, like, you know, dungeons with thin corridors where, you know, the walls, it's really hard to get your miniatures in there. Try putting an ogre miniature in there. Good luck. You know, because an ogre could squeeze through a hall, right? Where, you know, physically, the miniature may not fit in that thin of a hallway. So you got to kind of set it on top of the hall, and it's not that appealing. So the that's where I got the idea of, like, the 2.5D walls, which are essentially just short walls that show their walls on the tiles, but they're not... They don't block sight because who at an RPG game wants to get up and look over the terrain? You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, right, yeah. That's what you do at a war game. You know, you stand up for a war game. You don't. Yeah. You, you rarely sit What's down. What's my line of sight? Get, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You got to get line of sight, but you don't want to do that in, a, in an RPG. You're sitting there for hours. You want to enjoy your Cheetos and your pop. You know, you don't want to have to keep getting up and looking over the terrain to see where things are. So that was that was really what I was going for, and so I finally kind of expanded it into into my principles and my principles are basically this well one is the the ease of easy to make because you know i don't want to spend a week making a doorway for a dungeon that has 10 rooms you know, <laughs> you know or whatever <laughs> i have to make other stuff right i want to make it you know i want to make bam 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 get it knocked out so that's that's one of them Re- uh, another one is reusability if you make if you make the less specific it seems weird but the less specific you make things the more you can use them, right? If you make Makes the door sense. of Drinzizzle or whatever, that's what it is. It's the door of Drinzizzle, and you may not be able to use it for anything else. Or you make the side of a mountain. You know, it may look great, 
you know, but it, you may not be able to use it for anything else. So I try to like, okay, let's make, how about we make the door, you know, or, and we can, a door frame or whatever, and we can put a door in it, you know, make another, you can, you can actually change doors to go in the frame of the door or, and you know, like I don't use walls for my terrain for the most part. So that's really open to description. You know, you can just describe what the players are seeing the the kind of mat, the kind of mats and stuff that you would use that I use for ga in game like tiles and stuff I actually don't have walls on those anymore because then I can put them in any configuration right? right I can put two together and get a bigger room I can put a small one on the end and I don't have to worry about where the walls would land but what you can do is you can put doors and that kind of stuff down so it gives you that sense that there's that 3D dimensionality uh to the thing but it's like but you're not blocking it's not it's not blocking line of sight so playability is is huge uh storage is another one right if you make a huge castle <laughs> you know that looks great but where are you going to put that thing you know you can't put it under your bed you can't put it on a shelf you, you either got to give it to somebody else or or trash it for something you, and you may have spent a month making it you know so i would rather make walls you know, I, I make these blocks that I can stack, you know, on top of each other instead of making a huge castle wall or whatever, make these blocks, and then I can take it apart and make anything I want. Mm -hmm. I can make a platform. I can make a tower out of it. I can make, uh, you know, anything I want. So that's what's that's really good about kind of the re reusability of stuff. So those are those are my four those are my uh, four philosophies. So reusability, storage, playability, and easy and cheap to make. Nice. That I I watched the episode a while back where you finally found your perfect tree. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Yes. You know, and you know, it's like, and you're right. You know, sparse foliage. You know, it still it looks like a tree. You put a bunch of them down, it looks like a forest. But you can still see the figs. You can still move around. You don't, like you say, you don't have to get up and peer around stuff. So, yeah, I could see. Why, it. Yeah, if you got a forest full of huge foliage, yep. you can't see what's under the foliage. <laughs> you know? Or you reach down, you knock the tree over. You know, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I like that as well. So. How'd you happen upon the uh, toilet paper and paper towel paper mache method, <laughs> which I've used a bunch of times? A lot. Well, I mean, it's amazing what you can make with this stuff. I've, I've made yeah. I've made crafts I still haven't even, sh even shown yet, you know, um, with it. You know, I've done crazy stuff. I made, um, I made this tentacle monster for a game that I haven't even done a video on, but it's like, Basically, I took aluminum foil, rolled it up, you know, scrunched it up into like a tentacle shape, and then wrapped it with the uh, paper towels and toilet paper. And then you know you get you get the hard shell that keeps the the tentacle in the shape, but you have the underskeleton of the of the aluminum foil underneath. So uh, there's just there's just so much you can do with it. A lot of time, and I also like to do things where I make a shell with it, where I put lights inside of stuff. It's it's great you can do that. Yeah. I've made I've taken brain bowls and made you know elder brains and I did a uh, for that game you're talking about with the uh, the the retro sci-fi. I did the I did the boss was like a brain in a jar like a large brain in a jar and I had that all lit up you know and uh, the brain was out of toilet paper and you know <laughs> I, I literally just took toilet paper shoved it in a mold and soaked it in glue and let it dry and that was it. 
I mean, it just, yeah, it just popped out. It's rock hard. Um, Step one, stuff so the mold. Step two, so take it out it. of the mold. <laughs> <laughs> now, the problem is waiting for it to dry. You know, yeah, some people, yeah. And depending where you live, it's like it can be, you know, a real pain because if they have a lot of moisture or, or humidity, that can be a problem. But a couple things you can do is if, you, if it's the winter, you can put it in front of a heater. Next day, it'll be dry like a wall vent. Next day, it'll be dry. Uh, I put it in my car on summer days and, like, it'll – heat it uh, you know to warm it up and dry it out so those are a couple things you can do or even a fan even just a fan will will quicken it but yeah that's the problem that's the problem with it you, you know some people want it to you know they want the, they're waiting for it to dry too quick and it, you know they got to let you got to let it dry of course but once it dries that stuff is generally like rock hard and you know it's um and when i make those kind of tendrils out of like a wrap toilet paper up or paper towels they're they have a bit of flex to them so unless you like kind of literally rip it off, you know, you're not going to snap it off if you hit it, you know, um, some things that are too hard are actually things that can break easily. Right. Cause you hit it on a hard surface, it snaps off, but this stuff, you drop it, nothing's going to happen to it. It'll bounce. <laughs> you know? now, now, have you tried the method of borrowing a microwave from one of your close friends? <laughs> <laughs> just checking i don't want to talk about that <laughs> oh the parallels <laughs> so how did the tabletop crafters guild start yeah that was it seems weird now you know it's like there's been an explosion of crafting i mean you can't if you're into this, you can't turn YouTube on now and then not find a crafter. I mean, it's like yeah. you if if you look up D and D crafting, you're gonna get a, a page, you know, pages full of crafters, which is great. But when we when we started the guild, it was like the idea was to like, okay, let's push. We were kind of um, we'd all knew we all knew each other, and we were like. Um, okay, let's push this whole crafting thing. You know, this is really cool. Uh, this is a cool community. It's kind of this niche thing, you know, uh, much less now because there's so many people getting into it. But it was it was really this kind of niche thing that we started, and um, it was just to get more, you know, people into it because if we're all sending people to the guild, uh, you know, the four or five or six of us now, we're all sending people to the guild, then it's like, you know, we're getting more coverage from different people that may, they may see my videos and they may see Jeremy's or Bill's, you know, or, 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 you know, any, you know, Gareth's or anybody like that. So that was kind of a cool way to get, get people into this thing. And now that it's kind of started, you know, I don't think we need that so much anymore. You know, it's, it's more just a place to post, but at the beginning, it was really, the emphasis was really to get exposure for people that, Hey, I might want to do this. And now we have all these great crafters doing awesome content. It is it is cool. I mean, when we uh, we go away for a week and have a long uh, gaming session, it's like a D and D vacation. And a couple of years ago, we showed up with I think eleven totes full of full of terrain. We were busy, and uh, <laughs> yeah. and the players they they were jazzed. They they thought it was the coolest thing. It, no, it was the coolest thing. Yeah, it's, yeah. We, we had we had. Conifer forest and deciduous forest and different. We had landscape for a sandy, dry, arid area and a wet area. And we just kept changing it out. And we were running two tables at the time. Our week-long usually has more than one table. And we run parallel storylines along, you know, and they eventually marry back up. But they're in two different parts of the world. So we have whole different sets of terrain for everything. 
and oh, we started really we started cool. break we started breaking the stuff out and and they, they were like, all right, what's next? What's next? All right, no, no, go go, go in the other room. I need, I need to do some setup, <laughs> but I want to watch. No, go away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll have I'll tell my group to like my home group to go, you know, get snacks. We'll have a snack table out, you know. So it's like, oh, you guys go get snacks. I'm going to set up or whatever, <laughs> you know. If it's a big scene change. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, as a matter of fact, a couple times during our getaway, you know, we would come down for, after breakfast, and both Scott and Bill would have their tables all revamped, and we're like, this is it's really getting exciting now because you know, the the terrain just brings the world to life, you know, with that alone. Yeah. Oh, that is such a great point um, because, you know, theater of mind is great, but seeing that miniature world in front of you, you know, um, it just, it, you know, some people think, oh, it can distract from it. Uh, I think it adds to it. Yes. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, because like at the basic level, it's the campfire where you tell the story, right? Mm-hmm. Because humans used to huddle around the campfire and tell stories, you know, at this mystical thing that was in the center, that would be the focus, you know, the, the fire would be the focus and he would tell stories about the ancestors or, you know, whatever, uh, the heroes and ancestors. And, you know, the, the, the tabletop kind of replaces that it becomes the miniature world that you're focusing on like the fire, uh, that, you know, uh, you can all, you can all focus on. Everybody knows what's go. You can, you can look at it and just instantly know what's going on. You know, when you're playing a total theater of the mind game, it's like, oh, where was I again? What? Okay. Who's where, you know, and, and when, if it's a difficult set, if it's a, you know, weird, weird setup or weird area, sometimes it's easy to get lost where you're at, you know, okay. Am I over, uh, you know, here or am I by that pillar or am I, you know, but with a tabletop, it's just instant. You look at it. So you cut all that out of the game. You cut all that of like, Okay, let's figure out, you know, logistically where everybody is. And a game like D&D that's very tactical, that's important. You know, yes, yeah. <laughs> you, know? You, you definitely have so, characters that are always looking for cover. Yeah. yeah now yeah, they actually can cover, see the cover. Advantages. Yeah, you know, and... Um, and 3D is definitely a whole lot better than drawing out a 2D on a, on a battle mat. Yeah, it unifies yeah. the vision. Yes. yes. You know, every, everybody everybody sees the same thing. You know, when it's theater yes. to the mind... There's a lot of misinterpretation. Yeah. No matter how good the description is. Totally, totally. I've always equated you. You are like to crafting what Ozzy Osbourne is to heavy metal. (laughs) Which is great because I love Ozzy. I love Black Sabbath and Ozzy Osbourne. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah, me too. He is great. So how does it feel having kind of achieved that celebrity status amongst the RPG community, particularly crafters? I, I haven't watched the crafting video that hasn't, kind of paid homage to you black magic craft Wylock, you know you name mm-hmm. it right um you know uh i've just i've actually kind of just you know stepped back a little bit you know from it um not because i'm not interested in it because but i'm just it's just letting these other people put their feet forward you know what i'm saying i'm 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 more of this kind of status where i can just enjoy you know the fruits of my labor as much as everybody else's, you know, it's just great to see everybody else, this whole thing flourishing and like multiplying. Um, so I'm just, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm enjoying it. Like, wow, I started this thing. And, you know, I was thinking the other day, like, you know, cause it wasn't long before 3d printing got started. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, say I never did this, say I never did my first crafting video, say I never sheepishly set down my camera and, mumbled into the camera trying to explain what I was doing. And I, I never did that. Say I never did a video and then 3d printing comes along. I don't know if the 3d crafting ever would have got started. 
you know, 3D printing might have been it. It may have been the thing that people do, not making your own dungeons out of cardboard and, you know, uh, well, for, the, for those that <laughs> would be able to afford it. Yeah, because yeah, well, a three D yeah, printer costs a, a whole, it costs a whole lot more than yeah, a, yeah, a bundle yeah. of bounty. Oh, it does, it does. <laughs> yes, yeah. The, the the crafting is definitely cheaper, but you know, this thing may have never started. I was thinking, wow, this thing may have never started if I didn't just do that. You know, sit down and say, oh, this is a pretty good idea. I should do a video on this. You know, and it's like, and YouTube is you know totally different today than when I started. Mm. You know, it was just like, it felt just more like kind of uh, the wild west where people just like you know. I uh, will, you know, I have, it was kind of like, I have an idea. I'll throw it up on there. Okay. Whatever. You know, now it's like, you know, all these, you know, it's totally slickly produced, you know, all <laughs> these people with professional cameras and professional software and effects and all this stuff. And those are just right. the 14 year olds. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. The 12 year olds are making me look bad. Uh, but uh, <laughs> so it was just kind of, it was very crude, you know, when I started, but I've never, ta I've never taken those videos down. I've never been like, Oh, I'm in, you know, embarrassed of those videos or whatever. Uh, because it's like where I started, it's like where this thing started and it feels wrong. You know, I'm a, I'm a bit embarrassed by those videos, but it feels wrong to take that stuff down because it's like, wow, this is, this is like the Genesis of this. Yeah, well, you, you get know? to see the progression um, as well, yeah, but the yeah. growth. Yeah. 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 So I, I can't take them down. I can't. And I, and I and I hope you don't because oh, there's still you, there's you. still going to be people out there that all right where did it begin how do I start yeah all right yeah. let let's go to number one exactly and it, where who better to go to number one than DM Scotty so <laughs> yeah you know let let's check out the first video and work from there and and now it's you know I I was flipping through and I was like oh uh, episode 187 my God he's been doing a lot of these <laughs> and, I, and I know there's more past that it's just it's just the number just stood out at me it's like 187 wow we we have uh, 30 episodes of our podcast and and, and he's he's in hundreds wow yeah yeah now I'm, I'm pushing like 800 or something oh, you know, close geez. to 800 so what's well, yeah. been Eight years that you've been yeah. doing it? Is that right? Well, I started in, in uh, February 2012. Yeah, so eight oh. years. Yeah. That's impressive. That's, we'll have to send them an that's anniversary dedication. card. Yeah. <laughs> that is dedication. <laughs> <laughs> that is cool. Quest Givers is a really cool concept. Uh, oh, thank you. And I see uh, other content creators that have contributed, such as Nerdarchy, Black Magic Craft, Tell us about that. I mean, how did this come to be, and and where do you see it going? Well, uh, Gareth and I from DMG Info, uh, which he's doing a revamp of his channel, and he's doing he's doing a I don't want to give it away, but he's doing a very interesting take on doing terrain for your games, um, because it's it's been kind of it's all kind of generated from what I started with a kind of the top down view of your tiles and all that stuff. He's doing he's doing a different take on it, which really syncs up nicely with. Uh, online games it can be used for online games which is really hard with top-down terrain but anyways uh so with quest givers i was like wanting to do uh modules uh but i didn't want to do traditional modules i wanted to do them a certain way and gareth and i are very similar mindsets on like our dming styles and that kind of thing so we were talking about it, it was like oh let's let's let you know let's start writing modules this particular way and then we wanted to write not modules that were system neutral 
so that anybody could use them in their games. It doesn't have to be D and D. You know, I, I think if you if you get a D and D module, you feel it's got to be for D and D and it's oh here specific D and D monsters and this, you know D and D this and D and D that. We wanted it to be that anybody could take the module and use it for their system. If you use it for Cipher, Black Hack, you know, whatever, you can use it. We also uh, wanted to um, start collaborations with other people. That's where the Jeremy uh, came in and the, and the Nerdarchy. They actually turned one of our modules into a D&D module, which is kind of funny what I was just saying. But anyways, if you want to get the D&D version of Death and Taxes, you can get that um, <laughs> to kind of get you started, you know, with um, if you want to have an idea what the stats would be for the things in the in the game. But we're also doing um, some collaboration. We're doing one with Wylock right now, and we're doing one with Professor, Professor Dungeon Master, uh, which is really fun. It's actually a take on Macbeth. So <laughs> that, that sounds D- like something you know, he a, would do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to be, it's going to be fun. So we're going to have more collaborations uh, with people. Uh, that's one thing we wanted to do. But when we built the modules, we had a couple things in mind. One was that we wanted to kind of uh, make it, mo- make them modular so however the story flowed for you, it'd be, it'd be easy for you to go here, jump here, jump here, jump here, jump here. Uh, we also don't have like, uh, with, with the module, we don't lay it out for you at the beginning. Like, oh, here's the, here's the synapse of the, you know, the module, you know, here's your, this is, this is, this is happened because that, basically that's just wasted paper because once you read that and you read the rest of the module, that's useless. You can't go back there and get enough information to run the module. It just mm-hmm. gives you an idea what the module is. So why not just read the module? Uh, and, and not waste the paper. But anyways, we also wanted to do this is this is what I think is the most interesting. We also want to do dialogue for the NPCs, for the major NPCs in the game, which I think is great because sometimes it's hard to role play a, a character. Um, say you say, okay, this guy's neutral evil, all right? And you know, maybe in a module, the boss might have a few lines that he says to the party. Ha! You caught me. Now you die. Bye bye. You know, and that might. That's usually it. But you know, if you get an alignment in that, it's you really don't know the psyche of the character. But if you have dialogue from a character, you can really get into the head of like a character, right? Right. Um, even, even if you don't say the dialogue word for word. You can it, it helps you understand the character. So I love I love the dialogue, and Gareth is great at writing dialogue. Um, so he's really good at that, and the dialogue really pops out, um, and it helps it helps game masters who are kind of sheepish about that, or they they're not as good at the role playing skills. Mm-hmm. They can just they can just read those answers, you know, to the party, and then you know, you'll sound great, you sound polished, <laughs> but you didn't have to make it up on the fly. So that's cool. It's, it's got to be yeah. It's got to be a lot easier for a new DM, you know, working with a module like that than one of those two or 300-page modules that Wizards of the Coast puts out that's a whole year's worth of campaigns to a fledgling DM. That, that's got to be intimidating. But Oh, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But, but your method seems like it's, 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 a, it's a lot less intimidating. So I could pick up this module being brand new or having like the the DM role kind of thrust upon me and I can I can run it and sound good doing it and it's got to be a huge confidence booster too 
Oh, we hope so. We hope so. And, you know, we uh, we finished the, the whole – we've actually finished the whole campaign. It's called the North Road Campaign. Uh, the PDF is for sale on the website, but we are getting the book published, so that will be available too. But we did it. We, t- we did a really cool uh, kind of art direction with it. We've done a lot of the, the black and white line drawing. You know, we, we, we really took the design elements from uh, basically an old D&D book, an old 80s book, or it was maybe a 90s book, that um, that's how the book is laid out. But we also did things like, you know, have coffee stains on it and pencil shavings and, you know, that stuff in the book. And we have like post-it notes in the book. Uh, Gareth and I give you, say, like tips, like DM tips throughout the book. Or, hey, you may want to check this out or look at this or keep this in mind or, you know, uh, like you might write to yourself as a, as a GM running the game. Uh, so we actually put those in the book. You know, they're actually – uh, in the artwork of the book. So it's, it's cool. a really neat look to the book. And, you know, the book looks frayed on the edges. Like it's, you know, like it's been, it's been in your bookshelf for years. Um, we really wanted that old kind of, uh, game book look. And the, so that's what we the, were the going worn for and it. loved book. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. A worn that's and a loved idea. book. So tell us what's your GMing style. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and it's, it's one of those things that just, you evolve over time. You know, I, I feel you, you just, it's a craft that you keep working on. Right. And, you know, you have to realize when you, when you GM or DM that not every game is going to be like, Whoa, off the charts, you know, um, you hope they are, but don't like kick yourself if they're not, you know, some games are going to be good and some games are going to be like, wow, that was mind blowing. Amazing. You know? And if, if a game's not mind blowing, amazing, but still fun, don't kick yourself for that. You know, it's, that's it's just you were human beings it's just how it's going to be but my philosophy is this is a social event when you're having people over or you're even online you're the host of the party right so make it fun you know be like a host you know be don't be you know dour or you know okay we're gonna go go this door and you go to this room and you see some spider webs all right you know it's like make it you know make it creepy make it fun make it cool um be excited you know with your with your explanations and interested so you know treat it like a social event like you are the leader of a social event or you're the conductor of the band you know they key off of you (laughs) the the energy you give out in the game is going to you're going to get it back so i think that's my first one and my next one is uh, the players. Like, I'm a huge fan, fan of the character. I love the characters. I, you know, and I, I hate killing characters, but, you know, you have to have that danger in the game yeah. or it's not a game. It's not interesting. It has to be a uh, level of mortality. Right. But, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, not a killer DM by any stretch of the imagination. Some of my players might, might think that. But, you know, um, you know I, am not, I am not just there to kill your characters, you know. Um, if it happens, it happens. But, um, you know, I'm going to give you every chance, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not to have your character die. And, you know, you want to, you want to tell us, you want to tell a story, of course, but, you know, the thing that's different from RPGs to, you know, any other media is the story's already set in stone. You know, you go from, you go from the start to the end and with an RPG, the characters have so much involvement in that, you know, um, that they ch- they literally change the story or take it in new directions. So I think you really need to be open to what the people what, what 
what players are throwing at you are giving you right a lot of times players give you stuff and they don't even realize what they're giving you you know use that stuff you know use it in your game take the take the game in that direction i've heard some players say oh don't don't say don't tell this dm that because he'll end up using it against us uh but that's exactly what i'm talking about like take the stuff that the players are throwing down uh, be receptive and open to that and modify your story to that because maybe they come up with something cooler than you had, you had initially thought and it's like, oh, don't because they'll never know. <laughs> they'll never know that that wasn't the plan, right? So just, if they throw something down cool, it's like, oh, that's great. And then go with that, you know, um, use that and then they feel they feel like, oh, I'm a genius because I, I figured that out. <laughs> you know? It's like, no, not really. I just used it, but um, yeah, you're a genius. Uh, <laughs> uh, so be flexible. Another thing that can be a huge problem that I see um, GMs and DMs make is pacing. Pacing is hugely important. It's like a movie. You know, when you're bored in a, when you're in a movie and you're, and you're kind of bored or you're looking around, you know, and it's because the pacing is off. And you don't want that at your table. You don't want the pacing to be off. Now, pacing from an RPG to a movie is going to be different, of course, because we have turns and all the other thing. But don't let stuff go on too long. Don't let it, you know, have something happen. You know, force force the action or or you know or you know give them show them like maybe they see something, maybe they notice something. Um, if they if they can't make a decision, help them make the decision. Get the game going. Don't let the game flounder around. That's that's a huge problem. And, and my favorite part of RPGs is the cho- choices that the players make. I'm not talking about whether you use, like, Witch Bolt spell or Fireball spell or whatever. I'm talking – those are the game choices. I'm talking about, like, moral choices that players make. Like, give them – you know – I, what I like to do is give the players enough rope to hang themselves. <laughs> you know, it's like, I say that all the time. <laughs> you know, I, I, it's a figure of speech, but it's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's a truth. It's so much more poignant if they do, if they make a choice and it goes right or wrong, that is, that is so powerful in the game. Like that really needs where the, the game needs to be. Now, if they go into, if they go into a room, um, say, and a trap goes off, surprise, okay, take damage, blah, blah, blah. But if they said, you know, if they meet somebody and the person says, oh, you know, you can take this long way, but, you know, it's pretty safe, but it's going to take you this much time. It's going to take you days. Or you could take this shortcut, which is really dangerous, you know. Um, you know, but I'm warning you, there's lots of danger in there, you know. Um, you know, if they choose to go that way... <laughs> You know, they're asking for it. It's, it's, you know, they, they've chosen that they've chosen the danger. Um, so I like to, you know, even as basic as that, like choosing which way to go, I like to, I like to give choices or clues to, to bad things that could happen like foreshadowing, you know, like give force. I love to give foreshadowing so that the player's choices are very meaningful and they made the choice. Um, and like the moral choices are really powerful when you have characters making like, okay, you have this bad thing can happen or this bad thing can happen. Which one do you choose? You know, lesser <laughs> like, of evils. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, like, you know, with, for like murder hobos, I don't really have that problem with my game, uh, with murder hobos, but if you have murder hobos, 
make them feel guilty for killing these people. You know, they're begging for their life or my, my wife is going to, my wife and children are going to starve if you kill me or whatever, you know, don't, you know, don't kill me, you know, like beg for their life. You won't believe the look on the player's face when you do this. They'll be like, shit, you know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm horrible. I'm a horrible person. <laughs> I'm going to murder this person. Um, you know, so it's like, try that out. You know, if, if, and if they choose to make that choice, well, you know, uh, you can still make them feel guilty about it. <laughs> you can still make them feel guilty about it. But that's the thing that I love about RPGs that you don't get from anything else. You don't get that from watching movies. You don't get that from – it's the character. The characters made these choices. You may like the characters in a movie, but the characters made those choices, not you. You know what I'm saying? So when you make the characters make the choices and that there's the consequences to the choices, good or bad – um, or, you know, sometimes, like I say, it's a, a bad or a worse, it's, it's much more interesting. It makes it much more interesting. So those are kind of my, uh, long-winded philosophy, <laughs> DM philosophy, <laughs> but really, you know, I mean, as far as DMing, it's like a stew, you know, it's like so many things go into it that, you know, it's hard to choose just a few, but, um, also, also with the pacing too, it's like, some some uh, some game masters can be too too long winded, you know. It's like get in, get out, let the players do their thing. You know what I'm saying? Make it as short as possible, because the longer you blah 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 blah, they're going to lose interest probably anyway because they're not engaged with what what they're not doing something right. They're engaged when they're doing something, so you know get in there and get out as a game master. Give them the pertinent information. And then instead of telling them everything up front, let them discover stuff through play. So this player goes over here. Oh, you see this. This player goes here. Oh, you notice this. You know what I'm saying? Instead of telling them all up front, then you keep everybody engaged because it may be someone, you know, who uh, even in turn it wasn't. You know, it wasn't their turn. And you can say, oh, you notice this. When this player goes over here, you see that come out or whatever. Yeah, you want to you keep that in mind as far as, far as – um, as far as pacing, I have the get in and get out philosophy as far as a, a GMDM. Cool. Cool. I, lo I love the fact that you mirror so many things that we we say as well. Um, Scott and I have been, you know, and Lou, we've all been gaming together for 30-something years. Um, Scott's been gaming for 40. I've been gaming for 50 years. So it, it's nice to hear someone say the same thing that we've been out there saying, you know, this is our mantras. And it's like, all right, it's not just us, guys. <laughs> this is a real thing, okay? <laughs> and I think good DMs come to this. They come to these kind of realizations as you, you, you know, as you get experience with it. That's just it. It's the experience yeah. as you go along. Yeah. You, know, you take your the things that work, the things that haven't, your life experiences, you roll it all in one, and you do the best you can. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So tell us about your group. Oh yes. <laughs> well, you mentioned uh, your group, of... <laughs> so let, let let let's hear about it. You know. Yeah, I've had a lot of online groups uh, lately, but um, my home groups. I have a couple home groups. I'm actually running um, Horde of the Dragon Queen, which is the TM. It's we're into the TM app part now. They're like level seventeen, oh, cool. but the campaign only goes to level seventeen. It's like, well. What? <laughs> you know, it's like, why not go to the all the 20? So I'm taking them basically to 20. So nice. I've had to add a lot of my own content and change stuff and all that. I never, I rarely run a module. 
out of the module except for my own my own quest giver because <laughs> what hey what can i change they're perfect right <laughs> of course i would expect nothing less <laughs> but i rarely run like a D module out of the book like it's like 50 to 60 percent of it i'll use because it, it's a good starting space it's a good starting spot for stuff and you can have a whole story and that kind of thing but then you can add your own stuff to it or the character stuff and all this so yeah, but I'm running. I'm running a, a Horde of the Dragon Queen. Uh, it's a rise. Of, it, we're in the rise of Tiamat now. It's two books. Uh, that one's been really fun because it was a bunch of people that really hadn't played D and D before. So cool. we've been playing for a long time. Yeah, uh, yeah. With this, we play like once a month. So we're level 17. So we've been playing for a long time. I think it's been like 10 years now. I was going to say they can't uh, say they're newbies anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. But uh, it's fun because, you know, I've been able to do all the st- all these monsters and stuff that they don't know. Yeah. You know, if you play with, like, seasoned players, they're like, oh, that's a rust monster. Oh, that's a this and that. That's a, or a purple worm, you know. You know, that's that. That's this. But they don't know any of the monsters, so it's been great. It's been great with them uh, to run it and fun to see, uh, you know, their characters evolve and them, you know, learn tactics and, you know, all the stuff that revolves around the game. And then I've been running a uh, a Curse of Strahd game, which is actually coming out with a new edition. But I've been running the Curse of Strahd game, and that's been really fun because uh, I've really been doing the horror aspect of it, you know, playing up the horror aspect. It's a smaller group. In my Tiamat group, I have like six players, and this one I have four. So it's it's a, it's a more intimate group. Nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's been fun, do, you know, getting the creepy, you know, in there for the characters and then again, like I say, I don't run it <laughs> straight out of the book. You know, I always, I always change and add stuff. But uh, yeah, it's it, it's been it's been fun. And then online, I've had several games. Um, I've been running a post-apocalyptic game. I'm running a I'm running uh, the North Road for some people, which is my Quest Givers campaign book. Uh, so I'm running that for some people, and uh, we're using the cipher system on that, which I I'm a huge fan of the cipher system. Uh, so so easy to GM, yeah. So that's kind of what, and it's just it's a huge huge variety of people. Oh, I'm sorry, I have another game online, another D and D game online. That uh, it, it's an interesting group though because they're called the Doombringers, and they kind of like the kind of the theme of the campaign is they like they just cause trouble everywhere they go. You know, like things don't end up you know working out well <laughs> for the group no matter where they go like uh so i've i've kind of pushed that element of the campaign more than i would other other D games i do like to have that kind of ironic element in games uh but in this game i pushed it you know i pushed <laughs> it more to the fore uh because it's kind of a, a group of uh miscreants and you know uh haphazard characters so there you it's, go it's Luke. So you it's got room for one more like, <laughs> it's interesting. Somebody's going to say nothing. <laughs> Lose our giant ball of chaos. <laughs> I can be at times. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. So that's the big difference between him and I. Uh, his wife games, and he has five groups. And my wife goes, that's your thing. And I, I game once a week. So, Yeah. Yeah. Once again, uh, I'll, I'll I'll finish where I started. I am envious. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been a bummer not being able to run games because we haven't been. I've been running games at home, so 
I've been using tra- it's all been online. Yeah, it's that, all been online. That's stuff, how we so. started a podcast because we wouldn't game anymore. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. There you go. Good idea. And that's our episode with the Craft Father, DM Scotty. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find Scotty Crafting on his YouTube channel, The DM's Craft, and on the web at thedmscraft.com. Check out QuestGivers at questgivers.com for adventures you can plug right into your own game and some really useful DMing advice. If you're a crafting DM or player, head over to the Tabletop Crafters Guild on Facebook. And thanks again, Scotty, for joining us. See you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you and have a good day.